0: Welcome to the New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcast at nlutheranpodcast.com. You can subscribe on Podbeam, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play Music. If you have any questions for Pastor Eric or would like to suggest topics for our podcast, you can email Pastor Eric at erik.anderson at nllutheran.com. As we encounter God's truth I want you to know something about me and as I tell you this you might find that it's true of me but it's also true of you. You see what's true of me is that I love to hear people's stories. Now, you might be thinking, yeah, you just told us that. That's how you get our connection cards, right? That's how you emotionally manipulate us to get some information. But it's so much more than that, right? It's so much more than just a tagline that I add into that part of the service. It's something I truly believe in, right? Something I truly love. I love to hear people's stories. And the reason that I love to hear people's stories is because I believe that each and every person that we encounter has something unique in their story. Right, something that sets them apart, and I love to find those little nuggets of their story that are so interesting and so intriguing. In fact, in your story, I, I know you have one of these things. Right, maybe you're thinking of it right now. Maybe you visited some place that no one else has gone or, or very rarely has gone. Right, maybe you have a hobby that sets you apart. Right, maybe you have some skill that really kind of sets you on this upper echelon. Maybe it's such an odd skill that if there was a category in the Guinness Book of World Records, you would have it, right? Because it's this odd thing that you can do that no one else can do. Maybe if you think back to your your younger years, right? Maybe you uh, went on a date with a celebrity before they were a celebrity or maybe when they were a celebrity, I don't know. But I know this about you that if I dug deep enough that every one of you has something interesting in your story that sets you apart. You see, I believe this of you, I know this about you, I know this about everybody. And if it's true about you, it means that's also true of me. And I have some odd things in my story that kind of set me apart. Like, For instance, you might not know this, but I played college basketball for 58 seconds. That was my playing time that I was allotted in college basketball before my career came to an end. But here's what's interesting because that's honestly not that interesting because there's a lot of people who only get a little bit of playing time or who get hurt right away like I did, right? All those people have that in common. But here's what sets me apart. In my 58 seconds of college basketball, I scored six points, which if you do the math, if you figure out the per minute Ratio. that means that I would have averaged if I would have played my entire lifetime at that rate, over 248 points a game. Maybe someday you'll hear that about ESPN as the one person NCAA basketball who would have averaged but never know. We never know, right? So that's my special little tidbit I keep close to my chest. I can bring it out at parties or sermons, I guess. But here's something else that's interesting about me. I have been the best man three times for three different Uh, groups of my friends. So three different times, I had one of my friends come to me and say, I would like you to stand next to me on one of the most important days of my life as I make one of the most important decisions of my life. And as you can imagine, every time I was asked that, it was a great honor. It was great news because to be asked to do something that special is a great honor, right? It's a great honor, Now, we talked about this last week, just to be invited to a wedding, of course, is good news. It's a great honor, because someone thought of you specifically and then sent you an invitation for their special day. But when it comes to a wedding, right, we know as we look around the room in a wedding that not everyone has the same relationship to the bride and groom. Yes, they're all special and they're all there, so they have some relationship, but some people have a deeper relationship. Right, The person sitting in the back is very different than the parents sitting up front. And the person sitting in the far corner is, is very different than the, the groomsmen or the bridesmaid standing next to the people that they have these deep relationships with. And the same is true in our faith. You see, just like a wedding when some people have a deeper relationship with the bride and groom, so in our faith, even if we have come to the party, right, we said yes to the invitation, we're part of the family of faith, not all of us have that same depth of relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, a lot of us, we hold on to the cross, right? We, we trust in the promises of Jesus and we've received the forgiveness of our sins and we're grafted into the family, but there's a whole nother layer of believer that not only clings to the cross, but they actually pick up the cross and they carry that cross everywhere they go. You see, today as we continue our sermon series, the invitation, we're going to talk about that deeper invitation that God offers each and every one of us. And we're going to explore that together in the Gospel of Mark the third chapter. This is how it begins. He went up the mountain and called to him those whom he wanted, and they came to him. So as Mark begins, the he that he's talking about is, is Jesus, and he's making his way up the mountain. Now, if you're familiar with the rhythms of the Old Testament and the New Testament, you know that when people make their way up a mountain or go into the desert or just kind of isolate themselves, what they're doing time and time again is they're trying to find an intimate moment with God, right? They're trying to get away from the hustle and bustle of life, the people in their lives, and they're just trying to get alone with God. And we see in the life of Jesus that he did this on a regular basis. It says, very often, in the early hours, he would get away, he would go to a desolate place, and just get alone with God. Which if our rabbi is doing that, and we are students of our rabbi, Jesus Christ, and we are called to be a carbon copy of him, it means that we should be emulating that behavior, right? It should be a healthy part of our life. But there's a deeper layer to this too, right? If Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God in flesh, Emmanuel God with us, if he's making time in his schedule during his, his earthly sojourn, his earthly existence, and he needs this in his life, how much more do we need this in our lives? But that's what Jesus does. He goes up to the mountain. But you'll notice this time it's a little bit different. Right? Look at what he does. He says he invites some people with him which is odd because if you're trying to get away from everyone and away from the hustle and bustle of life, you wouldn't bring people with you, but that's what he does. And the reason he does this is because he's in this rabbi student relationship with these disciples. And if you remember last week, we talked about this relationship, right? The rabbi was the person that people wanted to emulate. And so what they would do is the rabbi would be 100% transparent about everything in his life And then the student would observe it, put it into practice in their life and hopefully become a carbon copy. That was the rabbi student relationship. So Jesus is inviting these individuals into that space to show them how he intimately connects with God. And this is what happens. And he appointed 12 whom he also named apostles to be with him and to be sent out to proclaim the message and to have authority to cast out demons. So we have Jesus and we have some more details here. We see that the number of people that he brought into this intimate moment in his life was 12. 12 of his disciples. You see, Jesus had a lot of disciples which are just followers, right, just students. There's a lot of people in the crowd that would listen to his teachings and were interested by his teachings and anywhere he went would follow him around. But there were some who had a deeper, relationship with him, and he chose a specific amount, 12 of his disciples, to take on this different label and this different responsibility. He called them apostles, which means messengers or ambassadors, and he gives them a special job description. He says, your job as my messengers, as my ambassadors, is to tell the good news, and as you tell the good news, you're going to cast out demons. Another way to understand that in a more holistic sense is you're gonna bring the good news to people and you're gonna set them free. And this is the good news of Jesus Christ. Right? This is why our mission as a church is exactly this. Right? Our mission is to transform people's hearts and lives. You see, when we bring the good news to people and the Holy Spirit is active in their life and breaks through the hardness of their heart, it changes their heart. And as they begin to live out the principles that God gives us in his truth, in his word, it sets them free from the bondage that they have in their life, right? All those things that we do, all those things that we've justified, all those sins, all those shortcomings, all those failures, the Holy Spirit brings it to light, and we begin to break free of those things. And this is what the apostles were offered. This amazing mission to tell people about God's truth and then absolutely set them free. And so Mark gives us more detail. So he appointed the 12, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boanerges, that is, sons of thunder, and Andrew, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, son of Elpheus, and Thaddeus, and Simon, the Cananean and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. So we start getting some more clarity on these people, right? He starts giving us the, the list of all the groomsmen, right? All the people who have this intimate relationship with Jesus, who have been given this special message. And as we look through this list and we think about these people and this responsibility, I think oftentimes we think, wow, these people are amazing, they're untouchable, and truly they made an amazing impact that's seemingly uncountable in our world and in our existence. But I think sometimes we set them on such a high pedestal that we assume they're so much different than us that we could never emulate them or never live out what they've done. But look at this list. Let's just step back, and and not to disrespect these men, but let's just look at this list and think about the things that we have recorded in scripture about them. It starts with Peter, the leader. What does Peter do? You guys probably have heard the story before. Right, right about near the time when Jesus is gonna die, Peter's following him around, and this little girl comes up to him and says, aren't you a follower of Jesus? And what does Peter do? No. I'm not a follower of Jesus. And she persists. No, you're a follower of Jesus. I, I've seen you together. No, I, I don't know this man, right? I'm not a follower. She does it a third time. And three times, this man denies Jesus. As we work our way through the list, we run into these sons of thunder, James and John. We find out that they go and talk to their mom, and they try to use their mom to manipulate Jesus so they can get a higher rank in this group of apostles and in his kingdom. Not quite something that we expect from these pinnacle leaders. As we work our way down, we see Matthew. and Matthew's backstory, as we know last week, he was a tax collector. He used his authority and his power and his riches to oppress people who were already oppressed to line his pockets with cash. This is Matthew. Then, of course, we have Judas. Judas Iscariot and we all know his story, right? He turned on Jesus, he betrayed Jesus, and he was a part of the group that ultimately put Jesus on the cross. These are Christ's groomsmen. They aren't perfect. Right? They're flawed just like the rest of us. They have bad backstories. They've made mistakes. And sometimes they do the worst things possible. They manipulate. They're real humans that Jesus calls into this relationship. And this is what is so amazing about these men and what's so amazing about our invitation You see, not only does Jesus invite everyone to the wedding, right, he sends out the RSVP to anyone and everyone. Now, of course, we know not everyone checks yes. Many, many people check no, and they want nothing to do with Jesus. But what's amazing is for those who say yes and those who show up, he gives everyone equal opportunity. You see, Jesus, in his wedding, he hands everyone the microphone. Now, if you've been to a wedding before and there's an open mic, you know that this can go really, really well or really, really badly, right? We've probably all been to a wedding where the person who should never touch the microphone gets the microphone. And they start talking and it's embarrassing and they're telling stories about college that no one should hear, especially mom and dad and definitely not the pastor, right? And it just kind of creates this tension and this awkwardness and finally someone goes up and they take the microphone from them. But then there's the person who's unassuming and quiet and someone has to kind of push them to the microphone and they tell these stories and they share their thoughts and people are laughing and people are crying and it's this perfect moment. You see in the body of Christ it's exactly like this. Every one of us is not only invited to the party, but we're given the microphone. And we're given an opportunity. If we want to say some words, if we take that opportunity, we can speak these words of restoration and healing and we can elevate Christ's name. But God also takes a very serious risk by giving everyone the microphone. That we might go up there and tell a story we shouldn't, say something we shouldn't, and tarnish his name. But the beauty of the invitation is that God gives every one of us an opportunity to elevate his name and to take on a bigger role in the family of faith. Well, Mark's story continues. Then he went home, and the crowd came together again so that they could not even eat. So imagine this scene, right? Imagine being one of these apostles. You're up, you're having this little mountaintop experience with Jesus, He's showing you how to connect with with God in a deeper way. He's giving you this deeper mission, right? You get to share the message. You get to set people free. They're all excited. They have this new title. They are special, right? They are the chosen. There is 12. They are set apart. They go back down the mountain, and guess what happens right away? The crowd show up again, right? Because Jesus was drawing these large crowds, but this crowd was even bigger than before, Despite the Pharisees' best efforts, the crowd continued to grow. In fact, there were so many people that what happens? It says they did not have time to eat, right? There was so much demand, and there were so many people who needed to know the good news of Jesus. There were so many people that they needed to set free, and they were setting free, that it was just growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. I think oftentimes, though, when we see moments like this, we tend to buy into a false notion about our faith. You see, when we see this great success by these disciples who are following Jesus, I think sometimes this is what we think. We think, you know what? If I can just live like them, if I can just emulate Jesus, if I can just be strong in the faith or if I can have the right type of faith, then everything will be perfect. Right? Everything I touch will turn to gold. Right? I'll have wealth, I'll have prosperity, I'll, I'll be successful in all that I do, I'll never experience loss and I'll be healthy. Right? We kind of have this notion that if we just do things the right way, this is what we should expect. Right? We don't even leave the mountaintop experience, we just have success upon success upon success upon success. But that's not how the story plays out. That's not how our story plays out. This is what Mark says next. When his family heard it, they went out to restrain him. For people were saying, He has gone out of his mind. Now imagine this scene. You are an apostle, everything is going well, everything is perfect, right? And, And you were thinking, You know what? It was so worth it walking away from my tax booth, it was so worth it walking away from my fishing empire. It was so worth it walking away from my family and giving up everything because look at everything, how everything is working out perfectly and this is verification that following Jesus was the right move. And then his family shows up. His very own brothers, maybe his mom, maybe his dad. They show up and they try to drag Jesus away. Why? Because the people that should know him the best Think he's crazy. Think he's losing it. Now, what are these apostles thinking? They're thinking, what have we gotten ourselves into? And that's the question we ask ourselves today. What have we gotten ourselves into? When Jesus offers this invitation to us, what are we actually going to get? Well, I can tell you right now, what Christ is not offering is the perfect life. Right, if we have the right amount of faith or we follow him perfectly, that we'll be rich and wealthy and prosperous and all these things, I can guarantee you we're not gonna have that. Not that we won't have success, not that we won't get better our lives by putting God's principles into place and following his word, but I know we will not be perfectly healthy I know we will not be exempt from loss. I know that my bank account will not fill up just because I have a right amount of faith or the right type of faith. And the reason I'm so secure in that statement is because look at the life of Christ, right? If anyone's gonna get these benefits, it would be Jesus because he never sinned once, and yet he was beaten, he was ridiculed, and he'd be pinned to a cross for our sins and our shortcomings. Now maybe that was a fluke, right? Maybe that was a necessary evil. But surely the apostles, right, they would experience all this perfection, right? Because they were so close to Christ. He obviously loved them dearly. He brought them up into this mountaintop experience. But what happened to them? The exact same thing. They were ridiculed. They were beaten. They suffered loss. And a majority of them would die for their faith. You see, the invitation to follow Christ is not an invitation into a perfect life, but it's an invitation into a real life with real purpose. And that's why at New Life, we we cling to our mission and our vision statement that we do believe when the Holy Spirit works that our hearts are transformed, and through that ongoing work, that our lives are transformed. But this is what we also know. If that mission is fulfilled, and we live out that mission, then we get to see our vision fulfilled too. That we get to see a transformed community and a transformed world. You see, as we take the opportunity to not only cling to the cross, but pick up the cross and take it everywhere where we're supposed to go, we start seeing people's lives changed. When we take it into our classrooms, onto our sports teams, into our workplace, into our marriage, into our families, those things begin to change because Christ begins to work in each and every one of those avenues. In fact, not only can I say that, but I can prove it to you this morning. You see, the one reason that we love the apostles and celebrate the apostles is because this is exactly what they did they brought Christ's truth to the nations. They set people free, and it spread across the globe. In fact, as it spread, it affected one interesting character in this story. Remember how Christ had his family come and try to drag him away because they thought he was crazy? Imagine what it would take to convince your brother that you were the Messiah. Imagine what it take to convince your brother that you were the son of God. Imagine what it take to convince your brother that you were Emmanuel, God in flesh. But guess what happens? These very same apostles live out their mission. They share the story. They set people free. And one of the people that they set free is a man by the name of James, the half-brother of Jesus Christ. Who a second ago was trying to drag him back home because he thought his brother had lost his mind. And as we fast forward through time, what would we see of James? We see James as a major contributor to the church. In fact, he would be the leader of the church in Jerusalem, the bishop in Jerusalem, because this message came to him and it transformed his life. And he believed beyond the shadow of a doubt that his very own brother, was the Messiah, the Son of God, God in flesh. You see, the invitation to be a follower of Christ is so much more than just an end goal of going to heaven. It's an opportunity to live in a real life with a real purpose. Where not only do we just cling to the cross and wait out this existence, but we pick up our cross We take that microphone and we take this opportunity to reach our community for Christ in every area where God has placed us.